Well, as I once said, four words, ten letters, and you already know what's coming. I told you so. The Walker, Texas Rangers, formerly owned by George W. Bush, the Sammy Sosas, the A-Rods, the Pudge Rodriguez's, they have defeated the poverty, no fan having, (laughs) and they are moving on to the ALDS. Almost as if I know what I'm talking about, because I said this in April. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 1915 episode of Championship or Bust with Max, Zach, and Josh. And what better time to do a playoff bracket than when one poverty AL East team franchise is already eliminated? Actually, two poverty AL East franchises are already eliminated. And also Tampa's eliminated? Wow. But plot twist, this is actually the prediction for the 2024 playoffs, because that's <laughs> that'll actually get released. But anyway, we have... 1915 World Series and Zach's favorite two teams are playing in this one. Oh, God. The Phillies and the Boston Red Sox. (laughs) Take it away, sir. So, like Max said, Boston Red Sox, Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, The Boston Red Sox finished the year 101-50, but they only ended up having a a two-and-a-half game lead in division. Philadelphia Phillies finished the season 90-62 and with a seven-game lead, and these two teams would face each other in the playoffs. For the World Series. Now, the Red Sox actually played this 1915 World Series, not at Fenway, but at the brand new Braves field to take advantage of its larger seating capacity, which is interesting considering the Braves played 1914 in Fenway. Yep. Fun fact there in Boston. Game one, Phillies would end up winning 3-1, to one, beating future Hall of Famer Grover Cleveland Alexander. Not much to tell there. Pretty solid, tight scoring game. Now, Boston would go on and win game two by a score of two to one. Rube Foster threw a three-hitter and even knocked in the game-winning run with an RBI single on the top of the ninth inning. Game three saw Grover Cleveland Alexander redeem himself, throwing a three-hitter of his own in another two-to-one win for the Red Sox, where the Red Sox walked it off in the bottom of the ninth inning on an RBI single by Duffy Lewis. Game four, another, you guessed it, two-to-one win for Boston. Now, Game 5 was not the pitcher's duel that the last three games were. This game saw four home runs when there was no more in the series before that. Four home runs, three for Boston, one for Philly. Now, the Phillies added extra outfield seats in what was already considered a pretty small stadium and shortened the distance from home plate to center field. And Harry Hooper homered twice over this moved-in wall, and Duffy Lewis homered once. Uh, the funniest part about this is that back in 1915, if you hit a ball that bounced over the fence, it was a home run. Every one of those bounced over the fence. <laughs> those balls could not have been hit more than 300 feet. Oh, my God. To center field, specifically. So Boston would end up winning this game 5-4, to four, and they would win the series 4-1. to one. Uh, I got a couple uh, facts for you here. Game 2. Woodrow Wilson was the first president, U.S. president, to attend a World Series game. There you go. And game one, Phillies win. That would be the last time they would win a postseason game until 1977. (laughs) (laughs) And they would not win another World Series game until 1980. (laughs) That's a good one. And last but not least here... Boston outscored Philadelphia 12 to 10 in the series, and this winning margin of just two runs remains the lowest ever for a five-game series. Wow. 
So starting with our Hall of Famers, Josh already mentioned Rube Foster. Well, just kidding. Uh, the Rube Foster that was playing in this World Series was not a Hall of Famer, but he shares the same name as Andrew Foster, who was nicknamed Rube, who was a player, manager, and executive in the Negro Leagues. And since we're talking about Major League Baseball, we don't get to talk a lot about it. So I wanted to kind of take this opportunity to bring up uh, Rube Foster. A uh, very well-rounded baseball career, and he actually got the nickname Rube because he beat uh, – Basically, the way he defeated uh, Rube Waddell, who was on the Philadelphia Athletics, who we've talked about in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, the Negro Leagues played a lot of exhibition games and barnstorming games, and stats weren't really calculated. But a newspaper story was saying that Foster was referred to as Rube because of how much he beat Waddell uh, after that. So he kind of got the equivalent of the Pedro Martinez, who's your daddy treatment. So just thought I'd bring that up. So he was not in this World Series, obviously. But a well-rounded baseball career, and I wanted to point him out. But going into the actual Hall of Famers in this World Series was umpires Bill Clem and Billy Evans. Still don't have a ranking. We'll get there eventually. Uh, I've turned <laughs> around on it more. Maybe I can figure out no. what the umpire statistics, if they can retroactively go back on baseball reference. God, Maybe no. I can do something with it because I'm getting kind of bored now that I have my list set and I expanded it and now I have nothing else to do. So maybe you know I can have an umpire list. So, starting with the losing Philadelphia Phillies, uh, we talked about Grover Cleveland Alexander a little bit, but this is his first World Series here, and he is an absolute legendary picture. Uh, yeah, legendary pitcher. Pitcher. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he was part of the Hall of Fame class of 1938, so the third Hall of Fame class. Uh, he received 24.3% in the inaugural year of 1936. Then he almost he actually more than doubled his total to 62.2 and then he got in in year three with 80.9 uh he had a career of 373 wins and 208 losses a 2.56 career era which rounded up to 135 era plus and just under 2200 strikeouts not a lot of strikeouts in the era but what's most impressive with him is his black type uh the number the raw numbers don't really do him justice as scary as that sounds considering he won 373 games <laughs> he was just dominant year by year. He led the league in wins six times. He led the league in innings pitch seven times, ERA five times, shot out seven times, strike out six times, and whip five times. Wow. So in this World Series, he was one and one in two games with a 1.53 ERA, a 10 and four strikeout to walk ratio. I have him as the number 11 pitcher of all time up in level five. And I'll pull up who I had him in between, but I'll come back to that in a bit. So the next person is Dave Bancroft. Now, kind of the polar opposite here. Uh, he was in his World Series debut. Uh, he made the Hall of Fame through the Veterans Committee in 1971. He was part of that whole Frankie Frisch group that we've talked about. Uh, when he, he had 15 votes on the BBWAA. His highest finish was 16%, and he only finished over 10% on those ballots two times. He led the league in defensive war three times. That was his main calling. But he was a career 279 hitter with a 714 OPS, which rounds out to a 98 OPS plus. So he was 2% below league average. 2,000 hits just over. 32 home runs, 591 RBIs. He was 17 points below the war standard for shortstops and 12 below the jaw standards. So in this World Series, he had 294, 5 for 17, all singles and one RBI. And in the Mac Hall, he's sitting right alongside Rabbit Moranville in the basement for shortstops. <laughs> so for Pete Alexander, going back to that, um, I had him, like I said, level five, the last pitcher in level five. I have him just behind Cy Young and just above Warren Spahn. Warren Spahn is the first pitcher in level four. So 
Moving on to another basement Hall of Famer, and this is actually kind of funny because when I was looking at the Hall of Famers from this series, for some reason I thought I put Epirixi in my pyramid originally. And then I was looking at his stats. It's This was the only World Series. He made the Hall of Fame to the Veterans Committee in 1963, had 1-2% for most of his years in the BBWAA voting, but then in his second to last year, he went from 12% to 52% and then went right back down to 30%. So it was like a one-shot wonder there. Uh, career 266 and 251 with a 3.15 ERA, a 115 ERA plus, and 1,300 strikeouts. He led the league in wins once, and he's below every Hall of Fame standard. So I started thinking, I'm like, how did I put this guy in? He realized that I didn't put this guy in. So it kind of worked out. He's ranked 62, and he's firmly in the basement, which is probably where he belongs. Um, for some reason, he just is a familiar name that I feel like I knew well before I started doing the pyramid and stuff. So I thought I had him in, and I guess I didn't, and I was right to not have him in, in my opinion. So that is our Philly Hall of Famers. Uh, moving on to the winning Boston Red Sox. Uh, Herb Pennick didn't play in this series. Uh, he actually had a really rough season, and that was the reason why. He was 3-6 and six with a 6 ERA, and he was actually shipped off to Boston in midseason. He played five games for the Red Sox, had a 9 ERA, and only started one of those five games. As I've said a few times, Pennick's in the basement, but we'll be talking about him year after year. Sounds like Carlos uh, Rodon. What? Sounds like Carlos yeah. Rodon. Carlos Rodon. And Pennick was a Yankee for a while, too. We'll be talking about him quite a bit. Um, her, uh, Harry Hooper. We talked about him a little bit. Second World Series appearance and his second ring. Uh, I have him as a basement guy. I talked about it before. But he dominated in this World Series, as you so pointed out. So I won't spend too much time on that. Obviously, the two home runs. Uh, for pure, uh, what's it called, rate stats, he had 350 with a 1085 OPS. But you pretty much hit everything else on the head. Uh, Trish Speaker, we've talked about. Um, one thing that randomly occurred to me in this one, because we talked about Trish Speaker before, he was picked in 1937 for the Hall of Fame. And same with Pete Alexander. He was picked in 1938. It just blows my mind how we had a 10-person voting limit in 1936 covering 100-plus years of baseball. <laughs> like, and you, you could pick 10 guys. Yeah, that's absurd. And, and 10 from the 1900s, so I guess it was technically 30 years of baseball, and 10 guys from the 1800s. So different committees voted on that based on the century they played in. So I get why Cy Young didn't get in, but both of those guys – Pete Alexander and Trish Speaker spent the bulk of their spent every single year of their career in the 1900s. How did they not get 75%? And it just shows how stupid the 10 person voting limit was even back then. But anyway, I digress. So he finished seventh uh, in voting in 1936 uh, behind the five guys who actually got in, you know, Cobb, Ruth, Wagner, Matthewson, and Walter Johnson. And who came in sixth was actually Nap Lejoie, who we talked about before. Uh, 58.8% in year one, and then got in in his second year. Second World Series appearance and his second ring. Uh, he was elected, I said that already, uh, in the World Series. He had a 300 batting average and 849 OPS. He's a top five center fielder of all time, level five. Talked about that before. So, enough with the redundancy, because we have one final Hall of Famer who we have not talked about. <laughs> and that is is someone who we will be talking about quite a bit on this podcast, and we welcome him into Championship or Bust Immortality tonight, and that is George Herman Babe Ruth. It is his World Series debut. No intro needed, but I'm doing it anyway. He was elected <laughs> in the inaugural class in 1936, 714 home runs, home run king for decades, 
Uh, he had 2,214 RBIs, king for decades. He was the first to hit 60 home runs in a season. He still, to this day, holds the record for slugging percentage at 690, OPS with 1.164, and OPS plus with 206. Oof. Which means he was 100, 106% better than league average. That's insane. Here's the black ink. Led the league in home runs 12 times. RBI 5 times. He might have hit behind Lou Gehrig. So, didn't get to drive <laughs> it a lot. Walks 11 times. Batting average 1 time. On base percentage 10 times. Slugging and OPS 13 times each. And Oof. war for you nerds 10 times. Fun fact about Babe Ruth though. He is the greatest player to only ever win one MVP award, in my opinion. Wow. Reason why? There was actually a rule until 1929 that players could only win one MVP award. So if you won, you were ineligible for future awards. I actually just learned this the other day. Never knew that. that. So it actually has a lot of precedence for history when you're looking at MVP voting as a source of comparing players from that era. Because you can only win one. So they were all, you know, anyone who played after 1929 had the bulk of their career there. They kind of benefited because they could have had a shot to get another. Wow. But we'll talk about him in many more episodes. So how did he do in this series? Well, he did he do? Zero. <laughs> he had one plate appearance as a pinch hitter and he did not pitch. It was his second year in the league. He played 42 regular season games, hitting 200 with four home runs and 20 RBIs. So it's good to know that pretty much every Yankee this year did not quite hit as well as Babe Ruth in this season. Oh my God. Oh, that hurts. Right. Oh, think about it. Oh God. (laughs) They all did not play. They might've played just as well as Babe Ruth did in this year. So technically, any one of them could become Babe Ruth. Oh, why did you say that? Oh my gosh. I'm just pointing that out, but very underwhelming start to a gigantic introduction and a gigantic career, but welcome the championship or bust immortality, Mr. Ruth. Uh, not much suspense here. I admit that I'm not very biased. I'm sorry, I admit that I'm extremely biased. But I have Babe Ruth as the number one right fielder of all time. Um, I have him right above Stan Musial. And right field is such a loaded, top-heavy position. Just some of the names that are in this ranking. And I'm, I'm shuffling them on purpose here so that I don't give away rankings for future episodes. But Frank Robinson, Tony Gwynn, Reggie Jackson, Mel Ott, Ichiro, mm-hmm. Vlad Guerrero, Roberto Clemente, Reggie Jackson, Hank Aaron, Al Kaline, Dave Winfield, Sammy Sosa. It's low bid. So I'm very excited to continue talking about like various regulars and talking about these rankings as we go. But I do have Babe Ruth at the top, and I think I can justify having that. Yeah, as he should be. <laughs> All right, so playoff preview. All right, let's jump into this. Uh, we are doing this on the fly. We all agreed that we're going to do it as is today on October 4th. Um, some of the games have already been played, and some of the series have been decided, um, which is very disappointing for me because I picked a lot of AL East teams that did not come through. Uh, Rangers. <laughs> uh, let's, oh, Mikey, who was your, um, your World Series pick? Oh, the Padres, right? Oh, sorry. Yeah, but so oh. was yours. Right, right, but you didn't, right, you didn't right. mention that. At, you didn't mention yes. that at the beginning. Yeah, we shouldn't mention, yeah, we shouldn't mention that. I didn't need <laughs> to. Mention it I got one pick right, which is one pick more than any of you guys did. So, yeah, well, hold on. What was my pick? I don't remember. I honestly don't. Remember. I actually don't. You gotta I go look. I'm pretty sure I said the Braves. Oh, I sure hope you did. 
Hey, I'd be very happy if you did. We are, you know, co-owners now, so. Yes, sir. Stock will go up. All right. Going to run through these wild card um, really fast. We'll talk about who's already playing and who they will play. Uh, if the series has been decided, I'll just run through. You guys give your picks, and then I will give my, you know, at least what I was going to pick before um, disaster struck. Uh, we have. Right. For- <laughs> I don't know why you're calling it a disaster. This is great. Uh-huh. I love uh-huh. it. The Rays and Blue Jays are gone. Sorry, the, the Blue Jays have just made me so angry lately, but we'll get into that in two seconds. Um, yeah, I can't have, about that. <laughs> First off, we have Tampa versus the Rangers. Um, who did you guys pick? We'll start with them. You know who I picked. Well, yeah, Mike, you blah, blah, blah. Josh, who'd you have? <laughs> so before the series started, I thought this would actually be pretty close. I thought that Tampa would probably win based upon pitching. I didn't think that Texas had – the pitching to beat Tampa, I knew Texas had a significantly better offense. Mm-hmm. I thought Tampa's pitching would come out a lot better than they did. Yep. I mean, they got smoked. Nope, as did I. I literally wrote down, uh, good pitching, lights out bullpen, while Texas bullpen has a role as Chapman. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Well. Good point. That's a good point. But, you know, here we are. Uh, Tampa, shit, the, oh, excuse me. Tampa um, blew it, and... The Rangers won in two games, no less, on, on the road. Just disgusting showing from Tampa. Two, really. two blowouts. Yep. Tampa scored one run in 18 innings. It's been terrible. As a Yankee fan, it pains me, pains me to see Jordan Montgomery and Nathan Avaldi, yep. two pitchers that the Yankees gave up on. Throwing gems. Throwing gems for oh. Texas, winning games. It's okay. We, Harrison, we had Harrison Bader for yeah, a year. Yeah, we got Bader for yeah, Okay, for We Monty. had Bader for a year until we DFA'd him because he was too freaking bad. God, I miss I miss Monty so much, man. I miss Monty, too. Oh. I told you that was a bad trade. Uh, when I was never a Baldy guy, but I, did, I, I liked Montgomery. Yep. But, hey, we got Frankie Montas. He threw what? Uh, two winnings last year? Two, yeah, oh, like two winnings. So good, dude. That is so good. I am Holy. so glad we have him. We got him so they could have Tommy John and become a free agent. And if and most likely when Cashman signs him again, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Um, and just to get it out the way so we can move on to the – what time are champ, like American League champions um, set up? So sorry, the DS um, set up. So they would um, be going up against the Orioles. So who do you guys have in the next series? Orioles versus um, Rangers. The Rangers. Yeah, <sighs> Head yeah I or Rangers on this one. Yeah, Head Rangers, Heart Orioles. Really? I, I, you know how I feel about division rivals. I've never really said it on the podcast other than my hatred for Boston. I don't believe in rooting for division rivals. It's the one set of jerseys I won't buy. Anyone who's in the division, I won't wear. Um, with that being said, I think what the Orioles have been doing this year has been so much fun and I deserve it. Um, and I think it's finally time for them to get what they deserve. They've been sitting in purgatory for so long and let's be real. It's honestly not even been purgatory. It's been pure hell for a decade. And since Buck Showalter kind of ran off the rails there, but I want to see Baltimore take it. I just think that they are not ready yet. I'm going to pick the Rangers just because they have the more experience at pretty much across the board. Um, but I'd like to see the Orioles beat them. I would be totally fine with my Ranger prediction be, stopping at the ALDS. That's right. more than what we expected them to do. So picking the Rangers to win, hoping the Orioles win. 
Right. Josh? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, like uh, like the Devils in hockey last year, uh, the Orioles are old. Every one of those guys is like 25 or younger, and I think they're just going to get their crap kicked in by Texas because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> just They're just too young, and, you know, they're they're riding high, and, and you know, now is when, you know, that's when you got to bear down, and I just don't, I don't think they have enough experience or grit to do it, to be quite honest with you. You got a rookie catcher leading a, you know, leading a young pitching staff. Leading other rookies, that's the, right. That's the I, I just, the Giants know. were in, in 2010. I mean, it, no, I mean, it's certainly possible. Don't get me wrong. I just don't, I don't know if they can beat Texas. And, and if by some miracle they beat Texas, I think Houston beat the absolute living crap out of them. Yeah, yes. we'll get to that later. But we'll uh, get into that. I was thinking. Yeah, about. <laughs> um, I, I actually, you guys are gonna be interested. I picked the Young Guns a few times in this bracket. I do think the Orioles can do it. Um, I know you said Rushman; he's a rookie leading other rookies. But man, they they got a good team, and I know their bullpen's hurting a little bit. But I don't trust Texas Texas's pitching outside. I mean, their starting pitching obviously is amazing, but I just don't trust their bullpen at all, Texas. Uh, once it gets deeper in the games, longer series, who knows? They got they have fourteen blown saves all year. Losing Degrom was a pain because now they have to put one of the guys who w- could have done stretch relief. Yeah, and Scherzer's hurt part now. Um, not that he pitched very well for them anyway, but I know. But you still want that experience. So having the two of them means two guys who started this year could go in the bullpen. Yeah, so I did end up picking Baltimore. At least you have those guys on the, in the clubhouse too, though. But good point. Yeah. But I, I picked the young guns, so we'll see how it plays out. I'm excited to watch them in the playoffs for the first time since like 2012. Is it like I'm? I'm actually really excited to watch it. Yeah, I am too. All right. Um, next wild card series. Again, we know how this already played out. Uh, we have the Twins, who won arguably the worst division in baseball, um, are going up against the Blue Jays. And again, um, we already know my pick. I. I'm very we have upset. Been a bad year, and y'all can't even beat the Twins. Are you? This is what I'm saying. I literally Matt wrote Merrill down. Running his mouth for two years, and he can't beat the Twins. He messes up on the base path today. Yep. Side note: Are we really sure that Vladimir Guerrero was good at baseball? I don't know anymore. I, I actually don't know. Stats this year? I don't know. Yeah, like, I don't know. Very, can we have the conversation here about this? He made an All Star team. Fine. He had an OPS under 800 with a 117 OPS plus. His worst year in three years. Yeah, he's not getting an MVP vote this year, obviously, but he, this is the time where he's supposed to be taking that leap into superstardom, and he took a step back this year. He didn't take out. a step back. He fell off the cliff, dude. He did 260 with 25 home runs. Yep. Yeah, it's not, That's really not that hard to do. No, no it's not. a lot of guys that do that. And for how much shit that he talks? <laughs> oh, exactly. He talks so much smack, and it's just Bichette. Like, their lineup should be much better. Springer isn't really playing that well. I know they got no pitching anymore, but I really expected them to beat the Twins. Because who do the Twins have? Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Go back. Yeah, that's about it. Go back. What? The Blue Jays pitching is actually very, very good. It's their hitting that, that sucks and, and has sucked all year. They've only won games because of their pitching. To, 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 to go into the series thing, they would score – just one run, I think, is a little crazy, but yeah, I didn't think they'd score more than five for the series. I just assumed they'd win one of the games three to one. Yeah, I just, I, I would just assume the Twins would be beaten because the Twins are just not good. They're just not a good. The team. Twins are the Twins, yes. No, I mean, I, I, I picked Toronto, but I thought it would be a two to one series. Yeah, I, I picked Toronto yeah. on this one too, and I was wrong. But I think it's just the fact that the Yankees. I didn't think they were good. I didn't realize they were that bad. Yeah. We can all agree the Yankees would have been there. 
I thought you were right. The Yankees would have scored no runs. I, yeah. You were way more overrated than I thought you were. Yes, but we can I again. Right. Another thing we can all agree on: they're going to get smacked by Houston in about a week. So, uh, oh, not without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, you know how happy I'd be though if the Twins beat Houston. I mean, oh, it's God. not happening. I'm not. I, I'm not talking myself into it. No, don't do that. <laughs> I want to know right. what the odds are for that series. Though. I'm going to look that up while we're continuing. <laughs> not good. Yeah. <laughs> um, moving on to the NL Wild Card Series: um, Phillies versus Marlins. I don't know. You guys go first. This one was kind of tough for me to pick, but I want to hear it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Stop being a thing. Okay. Go ahead. The Phillies here. Uh, No Alcantara. Um, They already are down one series. They're already down 1-0 in the series, and you have Aaron Nola on the mound tonight, who I actually do trust in big games. I know that he could be a little in the regular season, but I I feel comfortable with him. I think the Phillies take it, you know, by the end of this podcast, quite frankly. And as I say that, he just gave up a bullet. Uh, and the left fielder just dropped the ball. Wow, hit him right in the glove. He just dropped the ball and gave up a double out of it. That better be oh, great. This left fielder is uh, not good. Sure. I mean, yeah, I don't. I can't believe, honestly, can't believe Miami made the playoffs in general. To be quite <laughs> well, honest with you. You can thank Chicago. <laughs> and, yeah, listen, uh, speak, speaking on Chicago, uh, Suzuki does not deserve the hate that he's gotten for dropping that probably the easiest pop fly of his career. Uh, granted, as as horrible as that error was, he he had a good season and it's not his fault and people should really lay off the guy. Um, but yeah, I don't I, I honestly cannot believe Miami made the playoffs in, in general. They have nobody on this team. And yeah, I think the Phillies, especially with Wheeler and Nola going you know, yeah. uh, the Phillies always seem to get hot at the right time. They have Jacob Stallings up right now, and they just pulled up his stats. He has a 54 OPS plus on the season, oh, and he's God. starting in a playoff game. Uh, a 54 OPS plus. Well, you know, I, mean, game. I mean, all the Phillies talk about is Kyle Schwarber. He hit 40 home runs. But, you know, he That's also, 198. He also hit below the Mendoza line. But yes. at least he hit the 48 home runs. What does this guy do? Right. Um so for this one, I actually wrote down the Marlins had the season series on the Phillies, so they had their number this whole year. But of course, I, I went with the Phils. Shocking! Ah, oh, shocking! <laughs> Too good of an offense. Here. Oh man! Yeah, thought got the text last night. We look really good. He yeah. did seven shutout innings. Um, all right, moving on. We got another um, Central Division winner who I think is just muddling. Uh, personally, the Brewers versus the D-backs. Um, what do you guys think? I was going to pick the Brewers, to be honest with you. I, I really didn't think Arizona had the hitting at all whatsoever, especially to beat Corbin Burns. But I don't know. I still think the Brewers pull this one off. You have Corbin Burns on one side, but you have Zach Gallon on the other. Yeah. And I just think Corbin Carroll and Cattell Marte are better hitters than anyone on the Brewers at this point. Hey, yeah, well, 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 a solid year. Yellick has had a fantastic year. Yeah, Yellick very just finally had a bounce back here. Good year. Yeah, but Final. honestly, look at Corbin Carroll's numbers. Look at Cattell Marte's numbers. Both of them have been great. Like, Pardormo's pretty good. Um, but yeah, I picked the D-backs as well. They're young and hungry. I just felt to me like the Brewers slept like through this whole season. Like, Did we ever hear anything about them? But we never no. hear anything about them. No. Yes, well, the NL Central, Central was a disaster, yes. as we all know. Yeah. And, you know, they... You know, the Reds didn't wake up until about halfway through the season. And then in the last month, fell back asleep. So, 
you know, the Cubs were on a, t- I mean, the Cubs did the same thing. They were that the middle of the season from like June until the middle of August, they looked like nothing could stop them. Yeah. The and Marlins they just has, jumped yeah. off a cliff. Sorry yeah. to interrupt, but basically um, the guy who reached the second base on the error uh, basically made eye contact with Aaron Nola and decided to try to steal third anyway. No. Aaron Nola just got him on a layup, a layup pitch out to third base. Oh, God. It wasn't even a pickoff attempt. He just threw it a third instead of second. He didn't even have to throw the ball. That is terrible. He made eye contact with Aaron Nola. I don't know what he was thinking, but I'm sorry. I just had to point that out. Back to the Brewers. Shoot. Were you saying something, Sherm? Nope, I was finished. Oh, okay. Uh, I forgot to go backwards. So we got Phillies versus the Braves in the NLDS. Um, obviously, if anyone picks the Phillies here, you're stupid. Uh, I don't know. So you picked them, right? No, yeah. but I wrote down. They did upset them last year. But uh, <laughs> I did write. If anyone's going to upset the Braves this postseason, in my eyes, it would be the Phillies because they did it last year. But no, I picked the Braves. They're too good. Yeah, unstoppable. I think it might be a Homer thing, but I kind of – I maybe like just the idea of like being – having a higher expectation for the team that I'm quote unquote rooting for in this. I'm actually thinking, I don't, I think the Braves win, but I think the Phillies give it a ride. They do. I don't think this is a layup series for Atlanta. Atlanta In four. In four? So you're saying they they win three, one. I'm saying it's, I'm saying it goes Uh, five. I think it's going to go five. Yeah. I think the only way it goes five, the only way, is because you've already thrown Wheeler and you've already thrown Nola, is if Nola and Wheeler can throw games three and four and win games three and four. I'm assuming the Braves are winning one and two. But my concern with the Braves yeah. is that their two best hitters don't really have much playoff experience. Ronald Acuna wasn't playing when they went on the World Series run. Matt Olson was riding in Oakland. We don't really know what they're going to be. The Phillies just came off the World Series being an underdog. I don't think they're going to be phased by the moment. And they're relatively the same team that they were last year. And they just beat Atlanta in September. They beat them uh, six games. I think they won four out of six in like the last month. Um, So they're doing well. So I don't don't think it would be crazy to say Philly's going to beat Atlanta. I'm picking Atlanta, but... I have a lot of pause with it. It's honestly, I'm I'm less confident in that pick than I am on pretty much any of these so far. Yeah, it's the toughest one for me too. Um, I do think that's going to be a good series to watch for sure. I think Philly's frauds. Okay. Um, and next we would have the so Sherm, you have the Brewers going up against the Dodgers, and Mike and I would have the D-backs. Um, I want to go yeah. first. This is where I get crazy. I'm going to pick Arizona again with the upset. Um. All the All right. rotation All pieces right. are hurt. You get it. Or, you hate Kershaw. I get Thank you. <laughs> and who's left? An old Kershaw. Uh, Urias is an idiot, and Bueller's out, and Gonsolin's hurt. So they got really no pitching. And I think Gallon can outduel Kershaw. And I think the Arizona team can do it. I think they can upset the Dodgers. Same rules apply here, though. Other than Zach Gallon, what pitchers does Arizona have? No, and no when we're comparing the two best hitters on the team – you have Corbin Carroll and Cattell Marte versus Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. No, I get it. I'm just so saying. To my theory on this now. is that those two are going to carry them. They they have a deeper lineup. I'm going with the Dodgers. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with the Dodgers in that matchup. 
hey, Gallon will win you game three, but you ain't winning any of the other ones. I honestly don't trust Zach Gallon that much. He's he had a great. rough end of the year. A really rough end of the year. He ba- he was playing for the Cy Young, and he played himself right out of the conversation. Good point. I don't know. We will see. I just The Dodgers have a history of choking in the playoffs, so uh, I love to keep that narrative up for all time's sake. Um, let's see. In the championship series for the American League, we all have uh, – well, you guys have Texas and Houston. So, um, I mean, I think Houston kind of proved this a few weeks ago. They won the division. Uh, I think they could do it again. But I don't know what you guys think. Well, uh, not step on your toes, but just to go back here for a second. I also think L.A. will beat the Brewers. Okay, continue. Oh, sorry, Josh. <laughs> it's fine. No, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I think Houston is going to destroy whoever they're going to face, whether it's Baltimore or whether it's Texas. I think experience wins here, especially this deep in the playoffs. Yeah, I hate Houston and their buzzers and their trash cans, but uh, I think Texas gave them a run for their money, but I really don't think anyone in the American League is going to stand up to them. See, my thing with Houston and what scares me the most with them is that normally they're a dominant team in the regular season and they keep your dominance in the playoffs. And October peaks usually don't start until late September. And this year, the Astros peaked in late September. Yeah. They're about to roar through whoever they're playing. Oh, they're going to win another World Series, and, and we're all going to have to sit here and, and Cry. watch them. And, and I'll write another. It was the night before. <laughs> it was the night before free agency. And all yeah. through the house, Cashman fell asleep. End of poem. So they all got Houston representing the AL, and you guys would have the Braves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm going Braves here. Yeah, I think the Phillies are their hardest challenge, like you said, uh, at least in the NL, and I think it's a rematch of Braves Astros. Yeah, but who do you guys have taking it? Well, first of all, Josh, you pick Braves too. Yes. Thank you for caring about my opinion. I'm going to let you go first on your pick so that you get one in. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Josh. <laughs> but, no, I, I, think, I, think, I think the Braves uh, I think the Braves won. I'm standing by that one. I think Houston has really good pitching. I think between, you know, Verlander and, and uh, Valdez and, and uh, whatever the other guy's name is, escaping my mind right now. Javier? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I think they're very good. I think Verlander has not been as well, as good as he has been, and he's also not throwing as deep into games as he has been. I think the Braves pitching, while not quite as good, is still good enough to beat Houston, and I think the Braves hitting is just better in general. Right. Mike? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you here. I, I think Verlander's playoff experience has not been very well once he gets to the World Series, and I'm going to be very, very happy watching him, you know, struggle again. One and six to the five point six three ERA in the World Series. I can't wait till we get to those episodes and I can gloat about how horrible he pitched. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, I think the lineups are about even. And my one concern is the Braves' playoff experience. But like I said, I think if anyone's going to beat them, it's going to be sort of a scrappy team that hasn't been there before, um, who can size them up. I trust Ramber Valdez. I do trust Christian Javier in big games. But once the big game goes to the World Series, I don't know how much I trust Justin Verlander. 
And I think the Braves lineup is on paper better than Houston's lineup at this time from top to bottom. I think the Braves are the deepest team in baseball. I don't think that's a hot take. So I'm going to pick the Braves here. I think the Braves win in six. Hey, I wrote down that as well. Braves in six. I echo everything I you guys said. I would agree with that. Yeah. Who's the pick for the MVP? Um, Olsen, probably. Probably Olsen, yeah. I'm going to go Acuna. There you go. Safe bet. The Atlanta Braves, your 2023 championship robust World Series prediction. Unanimous. We all go chalk. You know what that means. You know what that means. They're not going to win. They're all going to be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to lose to Philly. I mean, when you win, what, what, 100 and – how many did it? 105, 104 games? Everyone's going to pick you. So. one nothing Phillies. Zach, you can cheer now. Uh, who scored? Uh, Schwarber, RBI double. Oh, wow. He, he actually oh. got a base hit. Yeah. <laughs> she was three, actually uh, got a second base. Probably three probably outcomes there. Pulled a hammy. Probably pulled a hammy. Yeah. The <laughs> it's usually home run, strikeout, or walk. So uh, that, that's, that's good for him. <laughs> there it goes. Um. Other thing we wanted to bring up in current events, and I definitely want to throw this to Sherman here. He mentioned oh. the uh, Yankees audit. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> have, have you guys, have you heard the story yet? I have. I've heard. Yeah, you should go over it. it though because I need so, some refreshing. Yeah. So basically, you know what most teams do at the end of the year is they have somebody come in and they audit the team. You know, they go through the finances and the players and all that, all of that stuff. Uh, this is common in, in basically sports in general. Now, the Yankees decided that this year they're not going to have somebody come in and audit the team. Instead, what they're going to do is they're going to have somebody give them the audits of other teams <laughs> and then compare themselves, compare their own team to these audits of other teams. Baby. What does they're, that mean? They're just babies. and they do, Please don't audit us. Please don't audit us. I just... It is, it is absolutely mind-blowing that Hal Steinbrenner is going to sit in his office and look at other teams' <laughs> audits and then go, hmm. And how much George is rolling in his grave at that. Yeah. I just – it is just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I, and they're already sitting around saying, Boone and Cashman are safe. They're bringing, they're bringing them back. And, and they, they, asked, they, asked Casey, they asked Casey to come back and be the hitting coach. It's like, do you guys learn nothing? Yes. The first yeah. thing you should be doing yeah. – the first thing you should be doing <laughs> – is taking the entire training staff and pushing them off the Brooklyn Bridge. And then, when you're done with that, you take Boone and Cashman and send them on a plane to the Middle East. And then when you're done with that, no, I'm not telling you, hold on. When you're done with that, Hal Steinbrenner needs to sell the team to literally anybody else. I don't understand um, Hal's thought process at all. I, I think he's just too afraid to fire people, clearly. Like, I, I thought this would be a clean slate for the analytics, but, like, I don't know what he's doing. No, because that's what the analytics people do, is that when they're wrong, it's not that they're wrong. Their numbers are wrong, and they mm-hmm. can hide behind the numbers to prove that they're right. right. And they'll say, oh, we'll, try the, we'll look at the numbers differently this time. That's what Aaron Judge was saying. But Aaron Judge actually said, we need to look at different numbers, meaning batting average, because that's a good thing. Yes. Batting average still matters. Okay, two points. Two points here. Two points I like to make here is uh, one, uh, the team that had the highest batting average in the league. You want to take a guess of who it was? Atlanta. Atlanta. And how many games did they win? 
105. Yeah, so batting average, no, it doesn't matter. Uh, second <laughs> thing is... Analytics nerds to the depths of my core. Yeah, second thing is, is um, Toronto pulled Kevin Cash and pulled Berrios in the third inning. He threw three innings. The Ugh. starting pitcher threw three innings. Because analytics told him to do so. Yeah. And they lost the game. So, I, I cannot fathom at this point. And don't get me wrong, analytics are great and you need them. But at one point, are you going to sit here and go, everybody is looking at the same analytics. Everybody cannot be correct. Right. Something has to give. Like <laughs> Especially if you're the Yankees and your analytics are just playing wrong. They're just bad. They're just bad. That's the problem. Like you have, we have so many complaints with the Yankees, right? The training staff, Aaron Boone, Brian Cashman, half the players. The real problem is the accounting department who somehow convinced Brian Cashman that this works, and it doesn't. And Hal's just like, oh, the only time that he decides that there's a problem is when the chicken buckets aren't selling. <laughs> and my favorite was that picture in the second inning of the Yankee game, one of the last Yankee games of the season, where it looked like 10 people were in the stands, and the final posted attendance was 41,000. Oh, right. No, that's who paid, but no one showed up. So no one paid for parking, no one paid your chicken buckets, and no one paid for your overpriced Amazingly tasting, but very small cheesesteaks. I'm sure. I'm sure Hal is having a great time sitting in his office eating his chicken buckets. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw something the other day. Uh, other teams were saying that the Yankees were the easiest team in baseball to prepare for because they had an all size fits all approach. Every batter was trying the same thing instead of, you know, prioritizing a guy's strengths or something like really, you know, really, really simple thinking here. See, it's funny you say that. Yeah. It, it, it's funny. It's funny you say that because guys have said that we're in the Yankee system, that the only thing and the only thing they teach and the only thing they care about is exit velocity. And exit velocity has become a big thing. Don't get me wrong. But holy shit, put the ball in play. Right. Contact matters. If you're going to be the worst team in the league and strikeouts, there's a problem. Stanton is still high in exit velo. Does that matter? No, he's trash now. He's, Not when you're below the Mendoza line. Yeah, he's horrible. Very frustrating to see. Because when we heard about the audit originally, I was happy. I was like, oh, fresh start for the analytics. We'll see who they hire, you know. And it's, nope, they're just going to keep everyone. How needs yeah, to man up and fire someone? They're not wrong. Their numbers are wrong. It's how needs to fire someone? When's the first time he fired? And it took Brian Cashman how long to fire the damn hitting coach. Like, oh, my God. I mean, dude, seriously, the chicken parm incident really tells you that they have no idea what they're looking at when it comes to data. Yep. That it took it took the triple-A catcher, now, in my opinion, should be the starting MLB catcher next year, to look at old film and say, hey, your batting stance was different when you were hitting really well. If you're hitting coach, an entire analytics department could not find this, there's a problem. You're not looking at the right data. You're looking at data, just wrong. Hey, I will say though, it makes me pretty, uh, pretty happy to know that the Rays and the Blue Jays won just as many playoff games as, as the Yankees, the Yankees. <laughs> and they scored a combined two runs more than the Yankees did. <laughs> I think the key is that the same analytics that are telling them to look at two fastballs down the middle and then swing at a slider ten feet off the ta- ten feet off the plate is the same analytics that is telling the the pitchers to throw fastballs right down the middle on strike one and then watch them go sailing into the into the seats. I mean, it really is like that. I should write a book. I'm thinking about this right now. The New Analytics by Matt. 
And oh, chapter one is going to be how strikeouts are actually a good thing for teams. <laughs> and how for pitchers, they should try to give up home runs. What did, uh, what did Billy Bean say? He gets on base? He gets on base. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want, we don't have a lot of that. No, we don't have a lot of that. <laughs> Is that increasingly yeah. analytics seems to believe that, and the quote in Moneyball, I pay you to get on first, not get thrown out at second. Mm-hmm. I get the sentiment, but the problem here is, is that if you walk, you're not advancing any runners. Singles matter more than walks. They do. And the analytics guys want to build walks up and put Bobby Abreu in the Hall of Fame because he walked a lot. No! You gotta hit the ball. Contact matters, man. Michael Brantley, we love those. I'm not, I have no problem with the contact hitter. I'm saying just, you know, walks do not matter as much as singles do. Yes, they're good. They get guys on base. But you still need someone to drive them in. That's why RBIs Every still matter. Matters. That's why RBIs still matter. It does matter if you can hit better when guys are on base. And that wraps up our 1915 World Series episode of Championship or Bust featuring Zach's two favorite teams. Oh, my God. Everybody, go Braves, and we'll see you soon. Oh.